Welcome to the Checkered Jaguar, where normalizing difficult conversations is just what we do. I'm your host, Bracia Dover. I'm a mental health advocate, creative media and film graduate, business owner, cancer survivor, and your new hype girl. It's time to get vulnerable and find that inner confidence to roar. Find the Checkered Jaguar on the web, where we go beyond with insightful courses geared towards helping you learn how to roar like a jaguar. We cover important topics all the way from confidence in life to filmmaking, mental health, and so much more. Check it out at www.checkeredjaguar.com. Find the Checkered Jaguar on Instagram and TikTok at Checkered Jaguar. Now, let's dive into this podcast episode. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode on the Checkered Jaguar. Today, we are joined by Jake Coyle, who is a fitness and personal training expert, as well as the owner of Todd Smith Fitness in Phoenix, Arizona. He is much more than just a fitness guru, though. He's a husband, brother, and son. He's also a very entrepreneurial-minded individual who has been through quite a bit in his lifetime, and he does a very good job at practicing self-love and care today. I am honored to have him on this podcast, and before I let Jake introduce himself, I wanted to briefly discuss what we will be covering in this episode. On this episode, we will be talking about how Jake was affected as a young boy with his parents' divorce. We will be covering what it was like for him to navigate his world after the challenges he faced that inevitably come with a parent's divorce. Jake has a lot of powerful insight and tools to share with you guys because chances are you or someone you know has been directly affected by parents being divorced. All right, Jake, can you start by briefly introducing yourself, share a few things about you, your age, where you are from, and anything you want our listeners to note before we dive into this conversation? Well, first of all, thank you for the intro. Um, I am 30 years old, and like you said, I'm a husband um, the last two years and a father to two little puppies, and we have a future boy about three months away here. So life is crazy, but it's a lot of fun. Okay, so let's start at the beginning. Before your parents divorce, let's talk about your siblings and parents. Can you share each of their names with us and a little background on your family's dynamic before the divorce? Yeah, so my younger brother, his name's Ryan, and he's seven years younger than me. And then Chaley, my older sister, is three years older. And then my dad, his name's Brian, and my mom's name's Jane. We didn't grow up with lack. We had pretty much everything and as far as uh, material possessions and being able to play basketball and to have the ability to play sports, just even that's a privilege, right? What I witnessed at a young age, some of the dynamics with Chaley losing her two best friends at 16 years old, that was three years after the divorce, to my mom and dad, just ultimately, they were very young when they had us. And, right. you know, at the end of the day, everything we talk about today is simply my perspective, what I went through at that at that point. Yeah. And so the dynamic was, in the beginning, what I remember, it just, my family just never seemed to fully see eye to eye. Like there was just always a lot of conflict. There was always a lot of contention. And yeah. my dad worked super, super hard. He's the hardest worker that I've ever met. I mean, wow. he would get up before the sun, 
get home way, way late. Owning a construction company isn't easy. Building that is not a simple feat. Right. And my mom, you know, did what she could do at home. You know, she was also helping with the business, but primarily my dad worked. My mom stayed home. And through the phases of life, like as I look back on it, we all did the best we could. Yeah. But, you know, when you, as I aged, as I got to be like 23, 24, 25, going through therapy and going through some of the things we'll talk about today, you don't realize so much that you are deeply impacted by things that happened. And my mom, my brother, my sister, my dad, they're incredible human beings. Maybe there were things that happened that I even did. So a lot of it is just being very, very aware of our past, not sitting and dwelling in it, but ultimately learning from those experiences and becoming a better man. That's the whole goal. That's what I want to achieve. Yeah, no, I love that perspective and background. Were you too young before your parents divorced to fully remember everything or does it, do you have like chunks you remember or what does your memory look like before the divorce? So before it it is pretty murky. It is because I, I was about nine when, so it was Christmas Eve when my mom and dad uh, decided to separate. I know for sure that there's certain things that I remember, yeah. but it wasn't really till about nine that I was able to really kind of remember my backstory and where it all started. So, right. you know, birthdays and um, holidays and certain events, there was a lot of arguments and yeah. there was a lot of back and forth that wasn't yeah. uh, very constructive. Wow. Okay. So you just touched on this, but you were nine years old when your parents were officially divorced. Can you kind of explain that memory and night and what that moment was like for you when you figured out your parents were getting a divorce? Yeah. So I walked downstairs, it's Christmas Eve. And for whatever reason, I decided to go to see what mom and dad were doing. Yeah. And they were clearly in an argument. And before I knew it, my dad storms out and that was it. Like there wasn't a really a conversation. My mom said, look, we're, we're going through a little something. Let's just have a good day. And that was yeah. really it. And so we didn't really have clarity. You know, the kids didn't really know what was really going on. And I think if I look back on it, that would be the one thing that could have been changed. You know, yeah. a little bit more communication. Totally. So I walked down, he left, and, uh, and that was that. Was there something that triggered your parents' divorce? Or was it a lot of different things in their relationship? I think it was a lot. I think if you looked at any relationship that ends in divorce, there's a lack of communication. There's a lack of compassion and there's a lack of love. Yeah. My, I think I don't know if my parents necessarily fell out of love, but they didn't know how to love each other and, right. and, and kind of meet halfway. And right. I think a lot of it was they were super young. My mom had Chaley at 19 years old. Wow, that's super so, young. So yeah, very, very young. And I think that mixed with my dad was overworked. Right. My mom was also overworked. And there was just so much heat because of that. They just fought all the time. Holidays were tough. Finances were always a thing for my dad. Yeah. He grew up very poor. My mom didn't have much either. So they, my dad really every day woke up with knowing like he had to support and be there. Right. He put a lot of pressure on himself. Right. My mom put a lot of pressure on on herself. So I think if they were to look back now, there's a lot they could have fixed, but because they were so young, yeah, they were on autopilot and we can dive into it. I know, but I think a lot of people subconsciously just go about their life. They don't even really realize the actions they're doing or, or taking. So totally. I think a lot of it is they, 
they were kind of on autopilot, didn't even understand. And then tipping points happen and then they separate. Yeah. Wow. Can you kind of touch now on how you feel you were directly affected by watching your parents separate at such a young age? Yeah, there's a lot of confusion. At nine, you don't really know what's going on. So you sort of try to, what I tried to do is I tried to create these scenarios in my head and I tried to keep it all in a box so that I was, that I would feel comfortable and actually live that way most of my life. Wow. Where I kept things in a box yeah. because there was only so much I can control. Yeah. You're in an environment where everything is starting to shift. Yeah. Everything below your feet is shifting. So I just did all I could to control what I can control. What could I control? I could control that I could go out and shoot 300 jump shots a day. <laughs> yeah. I could control that I could go out on the track and run. Right. So what I did is at 9 to 10, 11, became obsessed with basketball. Wow. That became my addiction. That became my outlet. Yeah. And I, I, I told people I'd be damned not to be the best player on the basketball court. And so basketball saved me. Basketball allowed me an outlet to get away from the, the reality of the situation that I was in. Yeah. Another thing that I did was I'd go home and I would put on a Batman costume. <laughs> I would put on a Superman costume. Yeah. Legit, in 110 degrees, wow. I would throw on a you know spandex Batman costume and run around outside. Oh my god! Well, it wasn't through therapy years later. Everyone thought it was really <laughs> cute, which it is. I mean, if our son wants to wear that, totally right, cool. Right, right. But when you sort of unpack why I did that, I was it's this form of escapism. Oh, I was wow. trying to escape. So my mind was so powerful back then that I my imagination, I played with G.I. Joe's. I just sort of found ways to kind of cope and think about other things and imagine a different place. And it looking back, it's kind of interesting because you kind of create a different reality in your right. head. But it was a way for me to protect myself. It's kind of incredible that you were able to do that and try yeah, to find that you. at a young age. So I want to touch base now on a phrase you told me a little while ago about how you had to be the man of the house during this time in your family's life. I'm sure you aren't the only one who has felt this need, being the oldest boy in the family, to step up and help. And if you feel comfortable, can you touch on what being the man of the house looked like for you? So my brother being seven years younger, so I'm nine. Now let's fast forward four years. So I'm 13, Chaley's 16. Like I said, her two best friends die in a car accident. At that point, there was one central focus and it was, we need to get Chaley better. Yeah. The reality was that that was a very hard time for her. And so my mom did what she thought was best. She wanted to be a best friend to Chaley. So she invited her over to the house. My mom and dad obviously are separated at this point and Chaley mostly stayed with my mom and they partied all the time, you know, mm. for like three to four weeks. Yeah. And what's great, a lot of those kids from that high school, they would come over and that was their their solitude. Like really, that was their way to get away from wow, the world. And so wow. in a lot of ways, my mom, once again, just did what she thought she should do. Well, that's when the drinking started. So Ryan being so young, he's there hanging out. And I remember one night in particular, they had a big party. I came back from basketball and Ryan's in my mom's closet just bawling. I mean, you're talking about 30 to 40 to 50 people in this house, jumping off the, the balcony, going in the pool, running around, you know, in the, in the, in the showers, in the bathrooms, wow. in, the, in our rooms. And, and I never forget, I came home, I was probably 13, and I noticed Ryan 
on the floor, just bawling, just really, really, really crying profusely. And that was the moment that clicked in me that I need to step up and once again, create this box. And the box included me being the man of the house, whether or not I even knew that or said it, I didn't need to. Right. Because my brother clearly needed my help. Yeah. And I'm the type of person where I will do everything for the people I love. So yeah. I poured myself into Ryan. And so in a lot of ways, I felt, especially when we were at my mom's, that I had to put on that dad hat. Yeah. And there were certain things that if they're drunk, I need to do. I need to go ahead and make my own food. I need to go right. ahead and make sure I get my studying done. And right. um, also because of everything Chaley was going through, I didn't want to step on any toes. Yeah, I wanted to stay away and allow them because I just did not want to be a nuisance. And that's where my head was at. What or who do you feel was helping you get through this time in your life? You talked about how you were involved in basketball, but did you have any close friends or people you could confide in during this time? For sure. My friend Kyle, we've known each other since, gosh, five years old, I think. Wow, that's young. Yeah, and we're still best friends. So him and I, we would we'd play basketball and then come back, play video games. Like I said, I had a lot of really good friends where they would come over, we'd play uh, G.I. Joe's or, or, or what have you. So I actually had a few really, really great friendships. And their parents were amazing too. Oh, Kyle's great. mom is is like another mother to me, and yeah. they took me in. Same with Steve, and um, took me in as their own son in a lot of ways. And so we it's would amazing. travel together and and have that time. And so, yeah, the people, my friendships like that were just instrumental for me to to get over it and to have some normalcy in my life. Good. I'm glad you had that. And. Debbie is amazing. Kyle's mom, she, you guys are all so close today and she's incredible. I, I know her personally too. She's awesome. Yeah. And one of the only examples of a, of a true relationship, they're still, they're still together. A right. lot of my friends were divorced too. So it's hard to really find, you don't really see a, a, a normal relationship unless you have a friend that has parents that are right. in a normal relationship. So totally, yeah. it was really great to see because at a young age, you start creating scenarios in your head that marriage just doesn't work. Yeah. And and that becomes a problem when you're an adult too. How do you think your parents' divorce affected your social life and school life growing up? Could you see any things that were affected directly with schoolwork or do you feel like you did a pretty good job at balancing all that stuff out? Yeah, that was the thing. I, I balanced school really well. Yeah. I'm someone that if you give me a homework assignment, I will try to get it done even before I get home. I'm just weird <laughs> yeah. that way. Yeah, I'm programmed to get checklists finished. I crush checklists. So yeah. <laughs> I, at even a young age, it was, I mean, I was the type of kid where, you know, and I want to always paint the reality that my parents were incredible in so many ways as well, right? right? My mom would always make me an egg sandwich, always have orange juice. I would wake up at literally 14, probably younger, probably 11, read the newspaper and drink my orange juice oh like an old man. Oh my gosh, already? Yeah. So That's amazing. I, I've always been that way. I've always sort of, sort of done more of the adult style things, even at a young age. Yeah. And I've realized even now I'm, I'm, I'm that way. So that, that really helped through that process. Okay, Jake. So how did you navigate your relationships with your parents once they were separated? Did you try to seek their approval in any way or what did that look like? Yeah, I, for sure with my dad, I always wanted to spend time with him. Like I always looked up to him in a way that 
you know, I think a lot of ways uh, the son always has that thought of, wow, my dad is my hero. And yeah. that's what he was. He was my hero. I, and he still is. He's, like I said, he's built this construction business. He's such an incredible human being. Yeah. Um, and so during that time, I just wanted to be around him. I wanted to hang out with him and to always spend time with him. Yeah. And it would usually be during the early hours. So I'd go up with him to the yard at like 4 a.m. just so that wow. I could have some time with him. Oh, wow. So it it was challenging to have that time, but I tried all I could to, to fit it in. What do you think was the hardest part for you specifically, if you can touch on your parents' divorce, what was just the hardest part in general? The not knowing. That was the hardest part. Not knowing what tomorrow would bring. I mean, imagine this. You, Monday through Friday, you're at one house. Saturday, Sunday, you're at another. Every other Wednesday, you're rotating. Yeah. I lived out of a bag. Wow. I mean, and even when I had, so I moved out when I was 19 or 18 with Kyle and we got a little condo. Yeah. It was so weird. It took me about a year not to do that. I, I literally lived out of a backpack, even when I was there, because that's all I knew. Wow. And and so that what that's the hardest part, in my opinion, for kids is not really knowing yeah. What's going on? That, that was the hardest part for sure. How did your parents parent you during this time? Was one more involved or what, what did that look like? Because of the schedule, my mom just naturally had to parent technically more. And the yeah. reason for that is we were there mostly during the week. My dad still worked a lot during the week. Okay. So we would we would swap Wednesdays, and so there would be time during the week that I'd see my dad. But for the most part, my mom was throughout the week. So she sort of had to play the parent hat, make yeah. sure the homework was done, get your bath in, go to bed on time, wake right. up on time. But my dad was more like on the weekends. So we were able to okay. spend time on the weekends. And so my dad, right after the divorce, we had a little bit, honestly, a little bit more fun. I mean, we were right. going to movies, we were shopping or whatever. And right. a lot of that was just the timing, you know, yeah. we were spending time with him on the weekend. So before we segue into the next chapter of your life, can you tell us one thing that you wish you could tell younger you during this time? Don't be so hard on yourself. I mean, really, I, I think that I took on a lot of the responsibility of everything. And if I were to go back I think I would have allowed myself to express some of my emotions more. The reality is I shoved it all down. Mm. And that is a problem. A lot of kids do that. And yeah, so depression, anxiety, all these things start to happen just because they weren't able to release that emotion. Yeah, so yeah. I wish I would have found basketball was great, but it didn't fully allow me to release the emotion that I, that I had so deep in me. Right. So I wish I was able to do that. So let's fast forward now to post high school you. You went off to college and ultimately got into the fitness world. What was that experience like when you went to college? Did you leave home? It sounds like you moved in with Kyle, but can you kind of tell us about that transition for you? Yeah, so I stayed in my freshman year, so I didn't do the dorm life. I just decided to save some money. Yeah. The next year we moved to a condo in Tempe. Mm. and lived there. And I went to Arizona State. Yeah, I originally was going in to become a construction major. So my oh, dad, wow. owned, like I said, the construction company. Yeah. So originally my thought was to take it over. Yeah. And then I'm 18. I'm found a job at the weight room 
desk. I'm a weight room supervisor at the rec center. Yeah. And it was great. But, you know, at the end of the day, you don't want to scrub the floors and <laughs> clean sweaty, sweaty yeah. benches all the time. Totally. And I'm sitting there and my boss comes up and he says, we have a weekend personal training cert going on. Would you like to be a part of it? I said, well, I've never thought really to be a personal trainer, but why not? And so I took it and it was the weirdest thing, Bracia, where just the pen flowed, like writing the, it's mostly long answers. So usually if you've never had a background, you usually fail. I just flowed. It just flew. Like I knew the answers. It made sense. So I passed. And after that became a trainer, I just said, well, let's wow. do this thing. And then really a year in, I knew that that would be, that would be my path. And I told my dad and he was so happy because the work that he did at the construction, the masonry company, it's, it's not easy. It's, yeah, it's I, very long hours, very demanding. He was really excited that I chose another path. Sounds like it really just naturally happened and you found your love and passion in that world mm -hmm. after that first job. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's, again, it's funny though, because it was the best job for me back then yeah, because I, all I knew growing up was how to carry the needs of other people. Mm. I was really good making sure everyone around me was happy. That's all I did. Right. So being a trainer was the easiest thing. Right. I mean, a lot of my traumatic defects made me an incredible trainer. And I know that sounds weird. Yeah, no, that's a good point. But though. I went above and beyond. Yeah. I was an incredible motivator. I was in the trenches with these people and at a young age at 18 training 30, 30 year olds, 40 year olds, they resonated with me somehow. And I didn't even really know what I was doing workout wise quite yet, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. But I knew how to motivate people. I knew how to get their mindset to a point to not only show up, but to change their life. And man, after a year, I'm like, all right, I'm all in. I'm changing my my major to exercise physiology, also in nutrition, and I ran with it. This is a question I've always had about people coming from a household with divorced parents. Was dating hard for you at any point? Did you feel like you had a hard time trusting relationships would work out before you met your now wife, Aubrey? Yeah, it was very challenging. I didn't even really fully realize until even a few years ago that I was on autopilot going through these dates and meeting all these different women. Yeah. Not really even understanding the aftermath that I was creating. I would, my biggest thing was I would be get, I'd get really close with someone. So I didn't sleep around. I wasn't about that. Yeah. I, I went on dates and I, I developed a relationship and tried to get close. And then the moment they got too close, I bounced back and I wow. separated myself. So it was a lot of me just destroying it, yeah. finding reasons to destroy it. And that happens a lot. Right. You know, a spill on the floor can turn into a breakup if you have all these preconceived notions going in, right. all this trauma going in. So dating was really hard. I was in a relationship um, through high school. I thought we'd get married. We ended up breaking up about college. She was a year younger, so we ended up breaking up. And then I ended up dating a couple others, had a couple other serious relationships. I had one in particular that was very tough for me. And that really was the catalyst to go through therapy and to change my life. Yeah. I was about 24 and I was in a relationship for about two years and I was going to marry this girl. Like I, I truly thought that. Yeah. And we're driving to a dinner. We break up. She just ends it super abrupt, just instantly ends it saying that she didn't love me. And, and that was really hard because 
it evoked that instant. I mean, we're driving. She looks at me. We're going to dinner. She said, I'm, I'm not in love with you anymore. We're, we need to break up. Wow. It was so, so abrupt. I mean, I can't even describe to you the sphere that, ju- the sphere that just felt like it was going through my heart. I just felt that was so triggering, humbling. This was the first time that I was broken up with. Wow. And found out that I was cheated on as well. Mm. And so it was really, really difficult. It was very yeah. challenging, but it evoked all of the emotions from when I was nine. Wow. So imagine I'm 24, yeah. but I'm a nine year old. Mm. So I'm kicking, I'm screaming, I'm yelling, I'm. Yeah. I'm consumed by this version of myself that I didn't even fully understand. I'd never seen it before. I was so toxically sick for a period of about four or five months. And that's when me going on these dates and dating around and again, not sleeping, but just trying to fill that void, trying to fill that void for like six months after that. Wow. Okay. So what changed when you met Aubrey? Did did you have a mental shift and kind of more awareness on, on that side or did she help you in other ways? How, how did that work? Yeah. So basically from, so I was 24 and then I met Aubrey when I was 25. So it was about a year. So I was a year dating and trying to figure this out. So when I met Aubrey and we'll both tell you this, we were both a little, it was a little too soon Yeah. It, for both of us. It was a little too soon. Right. I knew though that very quickly on that she was the one, Yeah. but my nine-year-old self, my traumatized self wanted to sabotage it. Yeah. So we met in 2015. We got to know each other a little bit. And then 2016, we became pretty good friends, but I always had an arm distance. I didn't want to get too close. I mean, she was staying over and hanging out the house. And then I would still the next day and she'd be with my mom for like the whole day. And I'd still say the next day, Hey, uh, babe, we're, we're not together. Just so you know, we're still just dating, (laughs) having fun. She's like, really? Um, I'm basically living here and <laughs> we're we're getting to know your family. Like this is starting to not make sense. Yeah. So this was like summer of 2016. And then I'm starting to feel really sick because at that point we've been dating about six months. But mind you, I'm not willing to put a label on it. I'm not yeah. willing to tell people about it. So I am starting to realize I gotta just end it. That was the that was the reality. I need wow. to end it just like all the other ones. But it was different this time. I had a very deep, what do you call it, a meditation. It was sort of my first time where I would close my eyes and I started to realize what meditation was. And a bolt of lightning hit me and said, you need to go to therapy. That's basically what it was. I I felt God's hand on me at that time and just telling me, you know, Aubrey's the one, but if you don't fix some of the things that you went through, you guys are never going to work. Wow. So I did one of the hardest things that I had to do. I felt like I needed my space to do this. I wanted to do it on my own. I didn't want to bring her into it. So that winter in 2016, ironically, by the way, all of my my breakups, the, the women that I would end it on, happened around Christmas. That's so interesting. So kind of interesting on the timeline. Exactly. With the the trauma you had around that time of year as a little boy. And just recently now I can associate Christmas as a good thing. Good. (laughs) I'm glad that So it's good. Yeah. yeah, That's great. And Aubrey's helped me a lot with that. But that's awesome. Um so yeah, in twenty sixteen, that December, we separate and this was like really sad. We're on a walk and we have two incredible little dogs. So we're walking and, and I basically broke it to her like hey, I I have made my decision and I need some time and I, we're just going to need to separate. If you need to date other people, I totally understand. That's not my intention. My intention is to go to therapy. If we're ever going to make this work, I know that I need to do this work. Mm. And 
the most beautiful thing happened, she was very sad. She was very, very sad. And, you know, that killed me that I had to do that. But I knew that if we were going to end up together, I had to. Yeah. And she just said, okay. I don't exactly remember what she said other than she was so supportive. Wow. I'll never forget how supportive she was. It's amazing. And I went through therapy. It was only about six weeks. And about five weeks in, and I went, I went five days a week. We did EMDR. We did all types of activities where you're moving your body. Yep. You're physically getting the release out. You're, wow. you're role playing. I wrote letters to my mom and dad that I never wow. sent. I burned letters. I, I, I had just such a profound experience with this, with this uh, psychotherapist that it, it changed my life. And it was only six weeks. But mind you, the way that my brain works, once I make a decision, it's game over. Mm. That's just the way that I work. Right. But, but I knew that I wanted it to be the real Jake, not the ego-driven Jake where I check the box, remember the checklist, right, where right. I check the box and tell people I'm going to therapy that I feel like a lot of people do just to right. tell people they do it. Right. So I knew that I needed to make a, a, a dramatic change. So I went for five weeks or six weeks or so, but was really, really special as I was able to call Aubrey as a friend a few of those times because we were unpacking some really deep things. She was there for me as a friend. If you can have the trauma and the experiences of your past, but to find a spouse that will love you for that is incredible. It's just, you can't explain it. And so I knew after like five weeks or so that she was the one, like no doubt. And I had a, a really great session with the therapist. And this was like five or so weeks in. And, and I asked her, do you think it's time for me to have this conversation with Aubrey? Like, do you feel like I'm ready? And she said, look, it's totally up to you. You probably need a little bit more time. <laughs> but the way that you're, you're talking and the way that I feel like you're ready, I think that it's time. Because imagine a lot of people, they just go to therapy once a week. Well, you're going five times. That's 25 sessions in five weeks. It's, it's um, almost the yeah. identical to you know a whole year for some people. Right. That's a lot. So it was a lot. So she said, no, I, I think you should start slow. And so I'll never forget. I went to Colorado uh, with my cousin Brandon, and I just had this really great talk with him. And he said, you know what? Just go to the airport and call her. And this was right about New Year's Eve. And I give her a call. And, uh, <laughs> and the rest is history. I said, hey, I think I'm ready to go on a date. So can we go ahead and do that? Are you ready for that? She's like, yeah. And so we went on a date, went to Dominic's Steakhouse, saw a movie right after that. And I told her I'm all in. And so January of 2017, all in. Since then, it's here we are. We got a baby coming. Oh, it's so exciting. (laughs) That that story is incredible. Your guys' love story and the respect she had for you to go off and get help, the help you needed. And Uh, I got to do your guys' wedding video and my mom got to do your wedding pictures and you can just see the love that you two share and it's so beautiful. So I'm so happy for you guys. Thank you. Okay, so going back to something I mentioned in the intro, Jake is a very entrepreneurial-minded person who has always been driven and dedicated to what he does, which leads us to where you're at today. Can you touch on what Todd Smith Fitness is and how you became the owner of Todd Smith Fitness in Arizona? Yeah, so my dad and Todd have known each other for 
a long time. So my dad and him were best friends in elementary school and high school. Wow. And right about 18, when I started training, I got into bodybuilding competitions. Yeah, and Todd yeah. had won Mr. Natural Olympia. He's like a icon in Omaha. He's like a walking little celebrity. He oh, really wow. Is. Yeah, okay. a lot of people know him. And yeah. he's this 5'10", just big guy, tons of tons of great personality. Yeah. He's a really, really incredible human. And um, my dad connected me with him. And it started out as a relationship just working on nutrition. So he really helped me dial in my nutrition. Yeah. He basically, so I have a major in nutrition. He gave me more information than the major itself. Like I learned more from him. Wow. Then, I mean, he, he traveled the world and, and learned from all these pioneers in the industry. Wow. And so that was really, really, really paramount for me yeah. because I was able to ask him, this is what I've learned. Do you, are you thinking that's what it should be? And yeah. so we learned a lot. So I, I would compete and then I would go out there during the summer and I'd learn from him. So I would intern wow. at his facility. They've had their their facility for over 30 years. So I'm like, okay, if, if they have it and it's the most profitable per square foot facility in the country, right? it's only a 3,000 square foot facility, but it literally probably grosses more than four of the facilities near it that are smaller. Wow. Like, okay, this guy's doing something right. Yeah. And I just loved how much he provided the joy and the love and the gratitude. He just made mm, people, yeah. he makes everyone feel so, so amazing. And so I learned awesome. that and I would just come back. I would go up there, learn a few things, come back home, turn it into my own business. Yeah. It would be either at the rec center or I went over to TI Fitness in Gilbert, worked yeah. for a guy named Terrence. I would use some of the systems for nutrition at yeah. TI Fitness, developed a nutritional program that we sold and I had over a hundred clients at one point wow. doing this nutrition approach that Todd gave me guidance for. Wow. So that really spun into me opening my own business under Todd's help. Right. So Todd said, okay, there's a one-on-one -on -one market where you can train people basically individual one-on-one. -on -one. Right. There's a cap to that. There's only so much you can charge per hour. So you, it becomes limited. And then you're trying to work around other people's schedule. Right. So what he taught me is that you open up these little micro groups. So you have three to five people in a group. You make it very personal. You only put people in there that are alike. And yeah. they get this personal experience for the fraction of the cost. And then you're, you're creating community. So you have four other men working out at the same time. And so I started running these groups, very similar to what he does at, at the TSF in Omaha. Right. And then realize, okay, that's way more profitable. That's more impact because I'm able to give them the same training experience and then they can become friends and yeah. then they can push each other. Oh, that's awesome. So started doing that, implementing that, and then realized about three years in that I just felt... Yeah, he was a mentor. He was there, but it it almost felt like I wasn't. There wasn't anything in return I was getting. It just yeah. felt like it was very one sided. I mean, right. he's giving me all this, pouring all this knowledge into me. And so one day we had a phone call. This was about three years ago now, and I asked him, "Well, what can I do for you?" Yeah. He said, "Well, would you ever be open to opening a Todd Smith Fitness in Arizona?" Wow. <laughs> and. I, at the time, had a company called Grindset. We were pretty much premium in-home training and online yeah. training. Yeah. And I felt that was my calling, and I loved that brand. But he also had this pre-existing template right. that I was essentially already using and bootstrapping for my own company. Right. So it made logical sense to, to team up. 
and be fully transparent. I mean, Todd's the bank as well. I mean, yeah. he was able to finance the gym. Right. During COVID, it was it was challenging to to do that. Absolutely. And so it's really a unique relationship where I'm a hundred percent owner of the Arizona location. The reason for that is I already had a business before, but Todd believes in me so much that he knows the longevity of what we're creating. He knows there'll be yeah, multiple yeah. locations right. and, and it'll all work out for him. And only thing that he wants is to help what he calls a blue ocean of people. He believes, and I believe now as well, that 99% of adults are left behind on training programs. Mm. There's only 1% that we're marketing to. And if you go down, I won't name any names, but if you go down all the companies, I do competitive analysis all the time, they're all competing to, to create this almost athletic experience for people and what happens? Injuries, all these these issues happen when we work out when we're 60 and we act like we're an athlete. Right. I'm not an athlete anymore. I can say that with vindication. I'm 30 years old. I can't dunk like at all. Right. Okay? When I was 18, I could. Right. So there's, there's an aging process that happens. Todd really understands the mature human body. Wow. And so I was already training that clientele. Right. So it only made sense to combine our, our passions and create the Todd Smith Fitness in Arizona. Do you feel like your background with your parents' divorce shaped you in wanting to get into the fitness industry and help others at all? Yeah, it 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 was the catalyst that, that got me into it. I watched Chaley go through... So we haven't really talked about her drug addiction, and I know that she was on your show and went into detail, so definitely listen to that. Yeah. I'll just go over high level. So she, after the, the accident of her two best friends, started drinking, was prescribed. I think she went to a psychologist. I don't even know, but someone prescribed her. I don't even know what it was, but it instantly triggered the addiction pathway oh, for wow. her. I can't remember yeah. the medication. And then that spiraled into the opioid addiction. Right. And I watched her go through that, and I watched other family members that I know go through that. Yeah. I believe with all of my being that if people woke up and moved their body for at least 30 minutes a day, our depression, our anxiety, our our reliance on alcohol, our reliance on drugs— would go completely away. I'm not saying that people aren't born with those defects and I'm totally not saying that depression isn't a real thing and right. there are people that can't do anything for that. I am, I'm not saying that, but we don't give ourselves and our body enough space to allow the change because we don't even try. Right. And I'll take it full circle. We don't try because things are too difficult. We make training so hard. Right. So what I what I why I got so into it is I saw Chaley during what I knew that this is the thing, the reason why she was really getting better. She went through AA, but she started running. Oh wow. Running was her escape. And she'll yeah, tell you that. I'm she sure, did talk yeah. about that on the so, podcast. Yeah, and, and that is an example right there. Right. But she never knew that prior, never knew that prior. Yeah. So if she, who knows if she at 17 said to my mom and dad, you know what? I'm not going to go see that person and get on that medication. I'm just going to pick up running. Yeah. I'm going to naturally increase my norepinephrine, my adrenaline. I'm going to naturally increase these hormones that make me happy. Right. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. 
And it shows how much physical exercise affects and helps mental health too. Okay, let's talk a little bit now about your own marriage. Does your wife, Aubrey, come from a family with divorced parents also? Yes. Yeah, she does. Have you guys been able to kind of bond and talk about your past childhood trauma there? Or do you guys lean on each other when there's things that come up in your relationship now? How does that look? Yeah, we do. We we definitely have a lot of conversation, especially in the beginning, about how we navigated that at a young age. The difference is she was really young. So she was two when her mom and dad separated. Right. So not as impressionable of an age, but still it was very, very challenging. (laughs) I know that we rely on each other and we're much more, I think we're just much more compatible because we both come from a divorced family for sure. Totally. There's that understanding and awareness that you both have. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Okay. So today you and Aubrey are actually expecting your first child that you mentioned earlier, and it's a boy. Have you and Aubrey navigated and talked through how you guys will parent your son together? Man, that's a great question. So to be honest, (laughs) not a ton because we've, not recently, but we know like a couple things. I want to be able to help Grayson, so that'll be his name, regulate. Thank you. um, Regulate his emotions. So like that's to me, really important. Like all the other things, like obviously we don't want to argue and yell around, especially when he's an infant. Right. But when he gets older and we're talking, he's starting to be a little bit more conscious and understand. I I regulate his emotions. So for example, if he's feeling stressed, teaching him how to breathe. Yeah. If he is having a tantrum, we both had this conversation where we want to allow him to to be able to speak and to to feel those emotions. Her and I didn't really have the ability to do that. But most importantly... We could go in the, the weeds all day. I'm reading these parenting books. It's like, what's my life come to? I'm reading these parenting books. <laughs> right. Um, it's time. Like, we want to have undivided attention. I think the biggest lesson that I've heard from other couples is if you're with your kid, be with your kid. Yeah. I, it was so sad. I went to get yogurt with Aubrey the other night, and there was a dad with a five-year-old, at probably four or five, and he was literally sat down and they were eating yogurt and he was on his phone the whole wow, time. Wow, wow. I think attention is everything and that's that's what we want to do. I know we're not going to be perfect parents. Yeah. He's probably going to go to therapy for something that we did. <laughs> yeah. But if we can pour our attention into him, I think I think everything will work out. That's beautiful. And being present with your children is exactly. huge. And it sounds like that's that's the plan with you guys. That's yep. awesome. Being more self-aware in your own life today, what do you think are some of the greatest traumas you carry with you from your parents' divorce? And how have you worked through them through counseling? Is there something or it sounds like EMDR, you've done a lot of different things, but what are some self-awareness traumas that you have been able to work through specifically today? The people-pleasing. Yeah. Because that's what helped build my business. But then I right. ended up putting everyone's needs in front of my own. That yeah. was that was really the biggest one. Let's get some advice and words of wisdom from Jake. To someone whose parents are going through a divorce, just give us anything that you wish someone would have told you while you watched your parents get divorced. That's a great question. Wow. The thing that I wish, and this is actually beside divorce, the biggest thing I would say is for someone to sit down and and say, yeah, everything's going to be okay, but don't take this too seriously. Yeah. And if I learned at a young age, 
we all do it. We all put our parents on a pedestal. Yep. It's the reality that we that we have. Right. But if I was told at a young age, your parents aren't perfect, by the way, right? <laughs> right. It's okay. Like the hero that you thought, they're 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 imperfect. They're not this version, this idealized version that we obsess about as a kid. Right. We all have things. If I knew that and I didn't put them on a pedestal and have all these expectations, ultimately I would have been a lot happier because a lot of my anger was like, my dad did this or my mom did that or they're not doing this or that. Right. Instead of saying, you know what? They they have their issues. They have their things they're working on. They're humans just like me. Right. I need to give them a little bit of grace. Yeah. And also, if I am feeling this way, don't bottle it down. Right. Go and talk to them. Right. So it's a two-way street. Yeah. I just, I bottled so much down. Just to close out, I think that's really important for people to hear. And I appreciate you being on this podcast and your perspective on everything and talking about such an important topic. Are there any final thoughts that you'd like to leave us with? No, I just love what you're doing. I, I love that this is a conversation that's a little bit different than I normally have. Yeah. And so I hope that someone somewhere got something out of it. And if anyone wants to reach out, we can put my contact and I'm always here to help. That's my purpose and passion in life. So. Thank you, Jake. That's awesome. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here, for listening and sticking it through, even with challenging conversations. Do you have an experience or story that you feel would be a good fit for the Checker Jaguar? Email me at thecheckerjaguire at gmail.com. I am always looking for stories that bring out important discussions and lead to having thought-provoking conversations. Stay tuned for the Checker Jaguar's next podcast. But in the meantime, follow along with me at Checker Jaguar on Instagram and TikTok.